The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Please come mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Councilmember Gerald III. Present. Councilmember Young the second. Here. Councilmember Santiago Ramiro. Mr. Chair, you do have a quorum. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, next, we will move to the approval of the minutes. Members have been provided the minutes from last meeting. Do I have a motion to approve the minutes? Motion. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Today, uh, we have a very brief agenda. However, we're going to dive deep into a couple key items uh, relative uh, to our capital agenda. So please be looking forward to that. Uh, And as we approach uh, what will be recess for council, uh, we will talk about some key issues next week uh, that may come back into the new year. Uh, But for now, uh, we would like to move to public comment. Uh, If you are joining us virtually, Please raise your hand now for public comment. Public comment is now open. If you would like to participate in public comment, please indicate now by raising your hand. Uh, We also have members from the public who are here. If you would like to uh, participate in public comment, I don't know if you have already submitted a card, uh, but if you would like to participate, if you are here from uh, the uh, community and you're present and you'd like to uh, participate in a public comment, join us at the table. Uh, or join us at the mic right now. And if you are participating in public comment, you will have two minutes for public comment. I ask that you state your name for the record and then proceed. And we have someone from the public joining, joining us. Good afternoon. Please state your name for the record and you have two minutes for public comment. Yes. My name is Antoinette Ivory. I'm here today um, because of the death of my daughter, Kanisha Coleman, case number 2011112. My issue is with the homicide unit, Captain Derek May, Marco Prestage, and also Commander Decker. Um, They were being, uh, I believe they were being deceptive in my daughter's investigation. I also have proof from the hospital and my daughter's last statement saying she was assaulted. Um, They also have involved the Wayne County Medical Examiner, Jeffrey Hudson, and he's also made a determination to change my daughter's case from a homicide to a suicide based on witness statements. I've also talked to those witnesses and my daughter was killed. I would like someone to look into this I'm tired of being ignored by the department and also higher-ups. I've also been to the OCI, and they're just sending me in circles at this point, and this is why I'm here today. First, let me say uh, my deepest condolences and sympathy on the loss of of your daughter. Um, Obviously, at this committee, we don't investigate those matters uh, relative to DPD. Uh, but if you could please provide your information uh, to one of my team members, um, we will definitely look into it after this meeting. We, obviously, we're familiar with that. Unfortunately, for the Budget Finance Audit and Standing Committee, we don't investigate those matters. Well, hopefully yeah. someone in the public are here. Thank you so much. And again, I'm so sorry for your loss. Thank you. Are there other members of the public that would like to join us? 
please join us. <coughs> please state your name for the record. You have two minutes for public comment. For the record, my name is Reuben James Crowley Jr. Lifelong resident Detroit City. Jumped off the porch when I was 13. Right into the middle of everything in this whole city. In all that time, four decades, I ain't never seen this, what I'm looking at right now, happening in Detroit, what I'm looking at right now. The reason why that lady just came here is because of exactly what she said. It's even deeper than that. It goes to this council, too. And it's a uh, budget. It's money in this city that's being squandered. And y'all passing all these contracts through what I'm looking at right now. Witnessing it. Robbing the youth of this city of what they deserve and rightfully is theirs. I'm looking at it right now. Starts here, goes to the CFO, runs all down the chain. But what they're doing at the DPD, they're using taxpayers' money to do what they did to that lady what they did to Carmack, what they did to me and others here in Detroit, and y'all passing all that money to them, you need to just slap the brakes on everything. All the spending. Y'all got the authority to do it. Subpoena power, call the police in, explain how much money was spent on Kanisha's investigation. Y'all got the power to do that. How much was expended and the cover-up, y'all got the power to do that too. Check the overtime records. How much money? Y'all got the power to do that by this committee. And what I'm looking at right now, today, by resolution, make a motion. What I'm looking at right now. Thank you, Mr. Crowley. Uh, are there other members of the public that would like to participate in public comment? Please join us at the microphone. Good afternoon. You have two minutes for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed. Yes, good evening. This is Disillusion D5 resident Joanne Warwick. Uh, <clears throat> well, first of all, I have a question. Why is ARPA money being used to run the Q line and not the DDOT bus system? That's a question I'd like to have answered, please. I do agree with the gentleman previously. I see lots of money being squandered. The price of demos is sky high. It's like this administration has prioritized demolishing the city more than helping the residents. So I'm here to talk to you about the abuse I suffered at the Department of Elections yesterday. And again, if this is what the people in the city of Detroit did to the people in 2020, no wonder they distrust the elections. I actually, and there was a witness who saw them come up to me as is not unusual in this building, and harass me, tell me to leave when I was sitting there doing nothing wrong. And then they lied and tried to say that I was interfering with voters, taking photos of them, which was absolutely not true. I said, look, I took a photo of the thing that voting, uh, uh, absentee voting stops at four, but I said, look, sir, look, there was this, the only photo from today. I will delete it. There is no sign here saying I can't take photos. 
Then they tried to say I was interfering with the voters and taking photos of them, which is absolutely not true. Now, I've been falsely arrested by some people here, and I am not against all the police. There are some nice ones, but there are some ones you really need to clean house and get rid of. And it is not okay when you traumatize residents like this. Excuse me, not you, but some of the men in blue that I want to respect. I also want to talk about the defamatory letter in support of North End Landing that I finally got my hands on. Is that why, Member Young, that you and your office will not discuss that letter with me? Because Shirley Davis defamed the rest of us and said that we don't want anything good in our neighborhood when they secretly planned around us? That is not equity and inclusion, and I expect you, more from this body. Thank you, thank you, Ms. Anyone who votes for any Ms. more of that does Ms. not Ms. believe in equity we, and inclusion. We've we got to be fair to everyone. You had two minutes, but thank you so much. I know, but you time. do respond to some people, but infrequently me, but I appreciate it today. Thank you, Ms. Warwick. I appreciate you. Uh, Mr. Leonard, how many callers do we have? I, I believe that concludes uh, anyone here that we have physically. Uh, Mr. Leonard, how many callers do we have today for public comment virtually? Good afternoon, Mr. Chair and honorable members of the committee. Today, we have two hands that are raised for virtual public comment. Okay, uh, members joining us, or uh, members of the community joining us virtually, you have two minutes for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed. Our first caller is Mr. Michael Lamont Cunningham. Mr. Cunningham, two minutes for public comment. State your name for the record and proceed, sir. This is Brother Cunningham, 313-444-9114. 313-444-9114. Speaking directly to you at home. Uh, we ask that you uh, call that number, listen, you can leave a message, as many people have. It's anonymous to listen, of course. It is anonymous to listen. Um, uh, I'm currently at the State Fair Transit Hub, the temporary one. There was no place to sit down for the people. Uh, folks were confused. There was only one day's notice. And we have an input meeting every third Thursday, and they should have told us in advance the specific date the temporary was going to be up. And that did not happen. Um, they should have gave prior notice at least 10 days a week, something. But they have the whole input meeting they could have used, and they did not. And that's disappointing. And the only one that has their signs up letting people know is SMART. Of course, SMART would have their signs up. But what about GDOT, the majority of the State Fair Transit Hub, the temporary one that was just moved until they built the new? Also, um, if anybody knows anything, thank you, Ms. Warwick, for sending an attorney uh, that might be able to help with my mom. He was very helpful. He couldn't take the case, but he was very helpful. Thank you. Um, winter is coming. I need an epidural. My pain in my back and my leg is extreme, especially when the cold comes. If anyone can help me with that, that's you at home. And um, also pray for me and my mother, who's in the nurse home, Rivers of Gross Point, Cheryl Marie Lyons. Chant, pray in the Holy Spirit, drink a lot of water for the next four days. It would be greatly appreciated. Thank you very much, Brother Cunningham. Uh, Mr. Leonard, who do we have next? 
Mr. Chair, our next and final caller is number ending in 711. Number ending in 711. You have two minutes for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed. Number ending in 711-711. You have two minutes for public comment. State your name for the record. Yes, can you hear me? We can hear you now. Yes. I'm Malik Shelton. Can you hear me? Yep, Mr. Okay. Shelton, we can hear you. Please, please uh, okay, I, proceed. I called in earlier, but whoever was taking the calls for virtual, it was a mishap. It kept saying one instead of saying my last three, which is 711. So that's why I didn't respond. I don't know why he didn't just mention the last three. But anyway, <clears throat> you you knew council persons who were elected recently. You did not participate in this, but by you being on the Detroit City Council, you do have an obligation to at least look into it because it's a very serious matter that involves hundreds of millions of dollars, and it pertains to the limited tax general allegation capital improvement bonds that were issued under the Nugget administration where we did not receive, the residents and taxpayers did not receive our lawfully required notice of intent to issue, uh, as well as the referendum that has to be posted in the newspaper of general circulation. According to the law, we did not receive that notice to intent to issue. If, um, if there's something where, whereas the Duggan administration did not need to go through that process, then I would like to know what it is. Thus far, everybody's been quiet. Perhaps you can uh, request the Legislative Policy Division to look into this matter about these capital improvement bonds, li limited tax general obligation bonds that were issued under the Duggan administration and whether or not the residents and taxpayers of this great city received our notice of referendum for those bonds. Did we or did we not? Were we supposed to? That's all I'm asking. I'm going to continue down this path and ask these questions until... I get some form of an answer. Perhaps, again, you can ask the Legislative Policy Division to look into this matter. Uh, this is money that could have been used for a multitude of different purposes. And so, again, why did the residents and taxpayers of the city of Detroit not receive our notice of referendum for those cap? Thank you very much, Mr. Shelton. Uh, that concludes public comment. Public comment is now closed. Uh, and members, we will move on into our agenda. Uh, moving on to new business. From the Office of the Chief Financial Office, uh, Officer, Office of the Assessor. Uh, line item 5.1, submitting a resolution of authorization <laughs> for Merrill Place. Two, limited dividend housing association, limited partnership, payment in lieu of taxes, otherwise known as pilot, SNS Development Group LLC has formed Merrill Place to Limited Dividend Housing Association Limited Partnership in order to develop the project known as Merrill Place. The project is a newly constructed three-story mixed income building containing 27 units located in an area bounded by Virginia Park Street on the north, John C. Lodge Service Drive on the east, Seward on the south, and Poe on the west. The project will include nine one-bedroom, one-bath, and 18 two-bedroom, two-bath apartments. Parking will be secured, enclosed, and underneath the building on the first level. Uh, joining us today, we have Ms. Janet Burke, 
members, do I have a uh, motion to open up line item 5.1? Uh, for or pardon me really quick just housekeeping I, I, I failed to notice that uh, we have been joined by member Santiago Romero for some time uh, as well my my apologies member Santiago uh, Romero I uh, do have a motion up, so open, no. thank you madam clerk do we have a motion up uh, to open up line item 5.1 for discussion motion okay line item 5.1 Ms. Burke good afternoon good afternoon I'm here to introduce Sada Ahmad Green and she is from SNS, she, uh, SNS Development Group, who are the sponsors of this very worthy project. Thank you very much. Ms. Green, good afternoon to you. Uh, anytime, good afternoon. Anytime you'd like to proceed, please go ahead. State your name for the record. Sauda Maud Green, S owner of SNS Development Group and Merrill Development LLC. Good afternoon to this honorable body and everyone that serves the city of Detroit. Uh, I'll just uh, dive right in. May I share my screen or would you just like me to speak? Uh, please, yes, share um, your screen for the public and transparency and members of this committee. Uh, Mr. Leonard, please uh, sure. grant Ms. Green sharing capabilities. Okay. Uh, let me, here we go. All right. So this is the Merrill Place project phase two. This is the second phase of a three-phase project. So uh, if all goes well, there will be another building that looks just like this. Um, again, this is uh, 27 units, nine one-bedrooms, 18 two-bedrooms. Um, it's mixed income. And we have 51% of the unit, units affordable and the other portion are market rates. We have deep affordability here at 50% AMI and 60% AMI uh, for the affordable units. We are hoping to start construction this fall, um, assuming that our pilot is granted and the building would be uh, up and uh, complete um, by June of 2024. That is our estimated uh, construction timeline. We have 18 months that we're projecting. Would you like to uh, have any questions regarding the project at this point? Excuse me, Vice Chair Coleman. Yes. Since Chairman Durhall has stepped away from a moment, oh. could you carry on the meeting? Yep. I have another uh, angle for the building from the uh, from the opposite angle end of the building from the uh, Seward. And the other angle was from the Virginia Park and Merrill end. So this is just the same building, just different, different angle elevation. I also have um, a site plan for um, a more technical um, view. Let me see if I can change that. I'm not sure if this is coming across, but this is just um, a schematic version of what that building was like on the site. So this would be the building footprint and the parking of these spaces here are all underneath the building. Um, there's 27 units. We have 31 on-site parking spaces, so definitely enough for each unit. And then we have all off-site parking here along the front of the building and the side of the building for guests and visitors. I can go back to here. 
um, some of the features in the units are um, there's a rooftop terrace, which is a community space for all of the residents, which is a, one of the uh, features that I enjoy the most. Um, there, so it's like a, um, an area just not for the uh, for just uh, the tenants, but for community gathering, we hope to have be able to use the space um, during um, warm weather months for outdoor ac activities um, for the residents. We also will have um, in the interior of the units, we have for people who have pets, we have pet um, pet stations so people can groom and clean their pets because it will be a pet friendly building, um, which is um, something that I think a lot of uh, people enjoy having a place to um, for their pets to go and be cleaned and groomed so that they're um, tidy in their apartments. Um, I think that would be uh, the extent of um, extent of it at this point. If there are any questions, I'd be happy to answer. Uh, we will open it up to members. Uh, questions from members. Uh, so. Parking underneath the building, uh, again, is this parking that is included for residents? Yes, it is. It is not something that they have to pay for. It's, it's part of their uh, their rent. And every uh, every unit, every tenant has a parking space allotted to their unit. Wonderful. And, and so another question, I don't know if I missed it. Uh, how many of these units uh, will be ADA units? Two. We're required to have two. And accessibility just around, obviously, uh, around the building, uh, what does accessibility look like? Accessibility 100, for 100% of the building um, because it's new construction. So um, if a person um, is using, we have accommodations for every, for every eventuality. Um, the elevator is ADA compliant. Um, all of the stairwells are ADA compliant. Um, the hallways, um, the community space, the terrace above, um, the units that meet the ADA compliance obviously have all of the amenities that would be necessary for a person with um, disabilities or that need accommodations. So um, there's entry for, into the building um, from the rear um, and from the side that would allow for uh, persons with disabilities or that need accommodations to enter the building. So they have full access and ability to tra traverse the building um, with, with no problems. And just for the record, can we talk about uh, what rent looks like for these units? Sure. So we have the affordable units. Again, we have 51%, so that'd be 14 of the 27. Um, of those affordable units, nine of them are home units. And um, of those nine, two are at low home and the other uh, seven are high home. So the low home units are equivalent to what 50% AMI would be for the, uh, for the, for the year or as, as published and the high home units would resemble the 60% AMI, um, levels for the published rents. And can we get, I, I know a lot of times we talk about percentages and, and I know the public doesn't know specifically, uh, relative to the AMI all the time. Can we give some specific numbers? Right. So the low home units, um, the which are the, the 50% AMI units, those rent levels will look like um, $750 a month is where they're totally pro currently projected. 
um, and the 60% AMI units um, is right around 950, 925. So um, those would be um, significant, um, I would say significant uh, rental rates to help um, with um, affordability for families looking to um, buy housing in this neighborhood once the building comes online. Okay, thank you. Members, any questions? You're welcome. Chair recognizes member Santiago Romero. Thank you, Mr. Chair, and thank you for asking those questions. The only one that I'm left with, I'm not sure if this was asked and I missed it, but we have nine one bedroom, 18 two bedroom. Which ones are, I, I guess, can you give me the breakdown of um, the affordability? My interest is the affordability are those only going to be for the nine bedroom or for the or are any two bedroom going to also um, be included in that? Absolutely. No, it's not just the nines. In fact, um, we have a considerable amount of the two bedrooms that are in the affordability level. We have um, up to eight, I believe, of the two bedrooms at the the uh, deeper affordability levels of that, the 60% AMI. And then we have a smattering of the one bedrooms, of course, that meet the 50 and 60% AMI as well. Okay, thank you. So, so there's much. just, a, you know, there's some, a very um, kind of to uh, make it equal somewhat and have some units on, on each of each type at each affordability level. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Member Santiago Romero. Any further questions, members? Okay, hearing none, I do have a motion for line item 5.1 to send it formal with a recommendation to approve. Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, line item 5.1 will be sent to formal with a recommendation to approve. Thank you very much, Ms. Green, for coming today, Ms. Burke as well, uh, and I look forward to uh, this great project. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Next, we will move to the Office of the Chief Financial Officer, Office of the Budget, line item 5.2, submitting a report relative to the proposed capital agenda fiscal year 2024 to 2028. Uh, this has been submitted uh, to us, uh, and it includes a $2.4 billion in proposed capital improvements from various sources over the next five years. Again, this is the 2022 capital agenda. Uh, prepared in accordance with Section 8-202 of the 2012 Charter of the City of Detroit. Members, uh, do have a motion to open up line item 5.2 for discussion. Motion. Okay. Uh, I believe joining us today we have Mr. Watson, uh, as well as Mr. Todd, I believe, is on as well uh, to talk about line item 5.2. Uh, so whoever, liked, whoever would like to go first, gentlemen. Uh, please start. State your name for the record. I'm interested in hearing uh, about our proposed capital agenda. I know this is just a report as of today. It will still go to CPC uh, and maybe an action be taken uh, probably when we return from recess. Uh, however, uh, interested in hearing this today. So whichever one of you gentlemen like to go first, please proceed. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. I'm happy to kick it off, but then uh, turn it right over to uh, Mr. Todd and Mr. Corley. Uh, so again, I'm Steve Watson, the city's uh, deputy CFO and budget director. 
Um, uh, as, as you already mentioned, Mr. Chair, um, the uh, proposed capital agenda is prepared in accordance with the city charter. The mayor submits a proposed capital agenda to the city council every two years in the even numbered year, um, each two years uh, by November 1st. And then the city council uh, uh, takes action uh, on that capital agenda following its deliberations by March 1st of the following year. Um, the proposed capital agenda um, guides uh, future budget planning for capital purposes here at the city. Um, the proposed capital agenda totals $2.4 billion over a five-year period from various sources covering a wide array of capital improvements across uh, city departments and public infrastructure. Um, the uh, capital agenda is available online on the city's website. Uh, if the public were to go to DetroitMI.gov slash budget and click on capital agenda, you can find the, not only this current proposed capital agenda, but prior ones as well. Um, but with that, I'm happy to turn it over to Mr. Todd and Mr. Corley to talk a little bit more about what comes next. Thank you, Mr. Watson. Good afternoon, Mr. Chair, members of the Budget Finance and Audit Standing Committee. Um, as <clears throat> Mr. Chair and Mr. Watson have both indicated, uh, the charter, I'm sorry, the capital agenda review is done pursuant to the provisions of uh, the city charter and the role that is typically played by the city planning commission is to provide this honorable body with its review uh, and recommendations and then to also help facilitate that review uh, by drafting a schedule um, i should also note that uh, for uh, the purposes of familiarizing particularly uh, our new council members and staff i did send an email uh, yesterday uh, or uh, yet late yesterday evening that contains the relevant charter provisions as well as the reports that were circulated during our last review of the capital agenda. And this will provide you both with the CPC perspective, the overview of the process, and again, a brief uh, recap, if you will, of what took place last time, uh, two years ago, uh, the 2022 through 2024, uh, I'm sorry, 2020 through 2024 capital agenda. So what we will ultimately uh, be providing you with, which I think Mr. Corley will speak to next, is a general overview, including not only uh, the um, brief assessment of the proposed projects themselves uh, and the related finance issues. Um, we will then follow that with a review and, um, and recommendation by the City Planning Commission. And that should arrive by mid-January. We are projecting that in order to meet the schedule uh, that is provided uh, in the city charter, that city council would request recommendations of the administration via a resolution at that time. Um, <clears throat> this request for recommendations to the 
planning director is required by the charter in order for city council to be able to do more than simply delete projects. The charter says that the council can only delete projects from the charter, on, I'm sorry, from the capital agenda unless they have in fact requested recommendations from the planning director. And let me just make as a side note, this is always one of those somewhat perplexing provisions of the charter, which previous charter uh, commissions have tried to address, but uh, unfortunately was unsuccessful. So we have had an established process around this. And that process is essentially this, the city council members collect individually uh, review the document and advance both to LPD and the administration uh, or the particular department um, that for, for which uh, the projects in the capital agenda have produced questions uh, and provide that information to us, we will assemble it in a single document and that will form the basis upon which your honorable body would be asking questions of the administration. And again, the documents that I provided in the email speak to that maybe even a little more clearly than what I just attempted to do in simple fashion. But at any rate, before you again can have the ability to alter the capital agenda uh, by more than just deleting a project, but to add projects, to edit projects, working with the administration, you must first uh, make this request of the planning director. The planning director has 30 days to respond to you. Uh, if uh, the planning director does not respond within that 30 days, your honorable body uh, is fully uh, capable and able of moving forward with any changes that you would like to make. Uh, however, even if the planning director uh, if the planning director does and the planning director typically does in fact respond within the 30 days you're not bound by the recommendations that they have uh, that they may make but uh, you are you at least have those at your disposal in terms of uh, your deliberative process and whatever changes you uh, may indeed like to make so again we would be suggesting that that be uh, request be made by mid-January in order to allow you ample time um, to uh, consider the response from the planning director prior to the deadline for action on the capital agenda, which is the 1st of March, which is a Wednesday immediately following February 28th, a Tuesday, wherein, uh, of course, there would be a formal session. Uh, we would like to suggest at this point in time that you target the 28th for final action. If the council does not take an action by the 1st of March, then the capital agenda will be considered approved as originally submitted. So you must act by that time. Lastly, the only other requirement uh, of the charter as it concerns the capital agenda review is that you hold a public hearing. Uh, LPD uh, would be assisting in the preparation of that public hearing. We're projecting uh, and suggesting that that be held. Uh, the first meeting of this committee uh, or in a uh, committee of the whole uh, as this honorable body ultimately determines. Uh, but in that first week of February, 
which would give, again, time for the public to have fully considered this document uh, and for counsel and others to be quite familiar with it by that time and be conversant in it and whatever changes that are being considered. And uh, with that, uh, Mr. Chair, I'd like to yield to Mr. Corley, unless there are any particular questions about the scheduling. Again, we will provide a more formal schedule, but this, these are the suggestions that we're projecting at this time as the Planning Commission's agenda is being built and as we were, uh, look to work with the administration uh, in review of the document. Okay, thank you. Mr. Corley. Uh, thank you, um, Mr. Chair. Good afternoon to the um, members of the Budget Finance and Audit Committee. I, I just, I just want to add this a couple things. Um, it's important to know that the capital agenda is not a budget; it's a planning document. However, it's very Im Im an important document because, as Mr. Watson indicated, it uh, gives you an indication as to what um, possible future budgets for capital improvements will look like. Um, also, um, we're going to provide a, uh, LPD will provide a fiscal overview of the capital agenda. Um, we will focus on the funding sources of the $2.4 billion, uh, that's in the capital agenda. Um, also LPD will have, um, someone looking at the agenda, capital agenda from a policy perspective. And then, of course, um, the CPC and the commissioners will provide you a perspective that would include, you know, as Mr. Tyler indicated, you know, a planning and zoning perspective. Um, we should have our fiscal report and um, policy review report uh, within the next couple of weeks. And so we would ask for the committee, obviously, to bring this item back in your first um, meeting in January. And by that time, uh, you will have the reports to review and you can start your deliberation on the um, proposed capital agenda. And then also, you know, council members themselves um, can, you know, send your individual questions to the administration as soon as you can, you know, hopefully in January to give the administration an opportunity to respond to those questions. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mr. Corley, and uh, that was going to be my suggestion for this committee. Obviously, uh, I have had a chance to look through the capital agenda. We're talking 360-something uh, pages for the 2022 to 2026 uh, capital agenda, uh, but I would like to have a bit of, uh, and I don't know how it's been done in committees here in the past, uh, but we try to provide as much transparency to the public as possible through this committee. Uh, and I would like to obviously bring this back so we can take a deeper dive and maybe provide slides and touch on some key points relative to the capital report uh, so the public will have an opportunity to see what's in there. Um, as far as question, uh, a question that I have that's concerned, uh, could we please let the public know where they could find this document? Uh, uh, yes, Mr. Chair. So the document can be found on the uh, the Office of Budgets website, which is accessible at DetroitMI.gov slash budget. And then there's a, a kind of a little ways down the page, there's a big button that says capital agenda, and then it's available there. Okay. 
Uh, and we will be looking again to bring this back. Um, I don't know if it's the first week as of yet. Uh, I'm going to ask for a motion to bring it back to be determined just relative to other items that we are going to have coming straight out of recess. Although I do understand uh, the sensitivity of time relative to uh, this item, but I do want to afford members of the committee as well as other members of the body the opportunity to review it uh, and then also have uh, a robust discussion as much as a robust discussion as we can have with 360 pages, uh, but relative to uh, some of those projects. Uh, members, are there any questions relative to this? Okay, hearing none. Uh, Mr. Todd, yes, sir. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Just wanted to indicate, consistent with your remarks, we'll look to work directly with you and your office to devise that schedule so that the uh, requisite sensitivities can be met consistent with uh, the desire for your desire for full transparency and participation of the public and, of course, the council members. Thank you very much, Mr. Todd. I appreciate that. Um, members, I have a motion to bring back line item 5.2 to be determined. Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, line item 5.2 will be brought back to uh, be determined. And again, Mr. Todd, as well as Mr. Corley and Mr. Watson, uh, we our office will coordinate with you guys uh, relative to scheduling coming out of uh, recess. Uh, obviously, we'll try to get that on there as soon as possible, uh, and maybe even break it up. I don't know if you know. Again, 360 pages are, are a lot of pages. I don't know if we need to break it up into two uh, different meetings, but uh, we will uh, work to do that with you, with you all. So, thank you very much. Next, we will move to line item 5.3, submitting a report relative to the fiscal impact of proposed contract between the City of Detroit and the Detroit Police Command Officers Association. Members, do I have a, a motion to open up line item 5.3 for discussion? <clears throat> motion. Okay. Uh, as you probably already know, members, earlier we have already voted on this contract, uh, so I don't see a need i think we've already discussed the fiscal impact of all three contracts uh relative and internal operations committee as well as the budget finance and uh standing audit committee or our, our committee should i say uh and so do i have a motion to receive and file line item 5.3 motion okay, hearing no objection line item 5.33 will be received and filed uh, next, we will move uh, to the Office of the City Clerk or City Planning Commission. Line item 5.4, submitting a resolution of authorization for a neighborhood enterprise zone certificate applications for the construction of two new single-family houses at 3000 and 3010 Ashland in the Far East Side Neighborhood Enterprise Zone area. This has been recommended for approval by the CPC. Uh, they have forwarded these applications requesting a neighborhood Enterprise Zone NEZ certificates for the construction of two single-family houses at 3000 and 3010 Ashland. The petitioner had also submitted a certificate request for 2984 Ashland, but has asked it be removed to be brought back at a later date. Uh, joining our, our members, we have a motion to open up line item 5.4 for this motion. Okay. Joining us, we have Mr. Gulak. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mr. Chair. Uh, I have a brief uh, PowerPoint overview. Do I have permission to share my screen? Yes, you do, sir. Thank you. 
And while we're waiting for that to um, come up there, the petitioner, I believe, is in the audience. His name is Andrew um, Creamer. He can be brought over. Mr. Leonard, if we can move Mr. Kramer or Creamer. Uh, Creamer. Over. Um, his architect may be here as well, Mr. Steve Flum. I'm not sure if he's in the audience. If both present, uh, presenters can indicate themselves by raising their hands virtually so it can make it a little bit easier to find them, yeah. that would be great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Mr. Chair, would you like me to start my overview? Yes, Mr. Gulag, let's proceed. In the meantime, uh, Mr. Leonard, please find the presenters to be brought over. Okay. Yeah, and it's uh, Andrew Creamer and Stephen Flum. Okay, thank you. Uh, yes, uh, CPC staff submitted a report regarding this request. It's, it's for an NEZ certificate on Ashland Street. This is located on the east side. Uh, this map shows the general area south of Mac and just west of Alter. It's on Ashland Street, south of the uh, shopping plaza to the north. There's quite, a, you can see there's quite a bit of vacant land in this area, but there are some uh, residential houses on the block as well. This shows a 3D view of the location. Altar is, is to your east, and then to the north is Mac, and then this is Ashland Street, which uh, kind of dead ends near that uh, back of the park, uh, the uh, shopping center. And this shows the existing houses on the block and the um, vacant lots for infill. Today, we're just looking at two lots, which are shown in yellow. They're vacant. Uh, the developer would like to purchase additional properties from the land bank. And so they're working with them, but they want, I think they wanted to see uh, the success of this, uh, these two uh, projects first before they sell additional land. This is in the Far East Side NEZ, which was created way back in 2002 by city council. Um, the developer is Andrew Creamer Jr. He's with the Nova Development Group. I believe he's a developer who does work um, on the east side. Um, I think he's currently constructing a multifamily building on um, Alter, which is uh, which has been in the press recently. I was trying to provide affordable multifamily housing in the area. The proposal here is for two new single-family houses, and they are unique because I believe they're using Chinese. They're, proposing to use shipping containers for um, the housing to save costs. Uh, they're working with architect Steve Flum to do this. They've also worked with the planning and development and the building department to make this feasible. So today we're just looking at a one-story single-family home and a two-story single-family home. They indicate um, the square footage about be about 640 square feet to 1,198 square feet. There'd be a two car parking pad in the back so no garage these are very narrow lots they're 30 feet wide platted lots so they're proposing to work with the existing lots and then they would have to do improvements to the alley behind the houses to make access to these parking pads in the application they indicated the estimated cost for constructing each house would be 160,000 to 185,000 i believe the estimated sale prices are 185,000 to 215,000 so the developer, Mr. Creamer and Mr. Flum have, have developed a site plan, you know, a vision for this area, which they show here in, in the, the, the proposed houses are shown here in these darker rectangle um, 
spaces. So this is just for two, but in the future they propose possibly to build, you know, six to ten more in this area. I believe this rectangular uh, gray box on altar is the new multifamily project Mr. Creamer's building. It's either a rehab or a new new building. He can elaborate on that additionally. Uh, so this shows kind of the, uh, one of the 30 foot wide lots. Um, you can see um, Ashland Street on your left here. And then the proposed uh, shipping containers are, are rectangular in shape would be located in, on the lot. And then there'd be a yard. And then in the back would be a parking pad accessed by the alley. This shows an elevation for the two story. The two story um, single family house would have the two shipping containers stacked on top of each other. And the obviously the one story, we just had the one shipping container, I believe. So I know they're working extensively with planning, planning development department and the building department. Uh, the building department does allow, I believe, shipping containers to be used, built for single family homes. I think it's been done in the city already, but this kind of shows a, a schematic of what the houses might look like. Here's a one story unit with the slanted roof and then the two story unit. But they've worked with the planning department regarding windows and materials and, uh, and, and the design to make them look attractive. I think the goal here is, is to, especially with construction costs going up, the containers give them certain cost advantages to make them more affordable. So this shows that one of the two-story units, an elevation of the front facing the street, which would have, um, you know, porches and, and uh, canopy awnings and uh, different materials on the top versus the bottom. This shows the side and then the rear of the building. This shows the one-story um, proposed unit. It shows the front and then the sides. And so that concludes my overview, uh, Mr. Chair. I can try to answer any questions or um, turn it over to the developer if they want to fill in any details. I, I don't. Oh, Mr. Flum is here, but I, um, I don't see Mr. Creamer. He was out of town trying to call in earlier on his phone, so he might not have um, made it through. Okay, Mr. Flum, if you'd like to proceed or have anything uh, to add. Yes, uh, good afternoon, Mr. Chairman uh, and committee members. Um, this development has been in the process of, of coming together the last couple of years. Um, and it certainly complements the um, new construction of a Mac Alter um, multifamily structure that um, is, is going up on, Alt, uh, on Alter Road, right across the alley. Uh, we feel that the first two units will be a, a starting point for future uh, single family and possibly duplex housing development in the area. As Mr. Gulag pointed out, there's many lots that are available. Uh, so we think that it's, it's a strong first step, not only for the multifamily, but for now the single family to move this neighborhood uh, to a, a better feel uh, and cohesiveness uh, among neighbors. Okay, uh, we'll move to questions from members. Uh, I, I do have a question, What what is the cost? Give me the cost again uh, for some of these units. Uh, Mr. Chair, I I believe the cost will be 185,000. I believe for the single the single story and 215,000 for the two story. But I'll defer to Mr. Flum if he has a better a better analysis of that. Um, 
Yeah, I, I had different numbers, but those seem to go right. Are those market rate comp uh, and comparable to uh, units that exist in that area? Um, just two blocks over on Marlboro, um, several years ago, there was new housing uh, infill construction that went in. And those, I believe, are listed well over $200,000 today. Uh, so we feel that the price point is an affordable um, price for people can enter the market and purchase these homes. But um, we're still feeling out the construction numbers, um, getting uh, bids from uh, trades to be able to refine uh, and lower the, possibly lower the cost of the sales. Because with their high uh, raising interest rates, we're competing against a lot of other people, so. Okay, members, any questions? Chair recognizes member Santiago Romero. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Through you to the developer, I'm not sure if I missed this, but uh, do you have previous experience in building homes from shipping containers? Is this a, um, something that you do often? Yes, that's a, uh, that's a very good question, Councilor uh, Member. Um, yes, we I've done a three-story duplex shipping container project, which is loaded in North. It is located in North Corktown, at the corner of Trumbull and Pine. Mm. Uh, a very successful development. In fact, the developer uh, is using it as their office because they're doing projects uh, across the country uh, with shipping containers. But my office is also doing um, shipping containers, um, single-family and duplex housing in the city of Chicago, um, working with the developer there, just really got behind the ship container movement. And um, I think it's a unique housing type that can be offered. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Member Santiago Romero. Chair recognizes Vice Chair Young. Yeah, uh, thank you so much uh, for that. I just wanted to ask you uh, one quick question because I understand, I don't know who this would be to exactly, but I wanted to say, um, <clears throat> first of all, when it comes to the issue of building these houses, are there anyone in this area that potentially could face gentrification potentially from this at all? Um, we've been working, uh, I know that um, developer, Mr. Kramer, has been working with uh, neighborhood groups um, such as you snap back and also a commercial uh, business owner including the commercial center just to the north um, but uh, I don't see gentrification going on I think we're, we're we're not touching any existing houses we're not offering money to buy existing houses okay. we want them to blend in with this new construction okay and, um, and I'm seeing that, you know, from what I was talking, what, from what I was seeing, the materials that you're using, um, I just want to know how is this actually going to save money if, if, if we're using new materials, but the cost price is still the same as if we use the same materials? Uh, that's a good question. Where we're saving um, money is that we're using less wood by, because we're basically building solid ship containers, okay. and then we clad the inside and outside. Uh, to make it energy efficient. Um, but also, we could put up this structure much quicker than any frame building, um, thus saving time, thus saving money. Oh, okay. So, so, so 
Will that? I mean, how, how much of those cost savings will go to the person who's actually buying the house? I mean, can you give me like just an estimate in terms of how much this is going to reduce? Because my understanding there was a comparison. It's kind of it's kind of negligible in terms of how much uh, it would cost the um, resident buying this house if it was made with you know materials that weren't environmentally friendly or that weren't cost saving had the cost saving potential that you're talking about now. Is that correct? Yeah, I think I think you're saving you know upwards of ten to twenty thousand dollars. Okay. With a shorter time frame and less lumber. Okay, so 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 the person who's buying these homes or going to these homes, these units, they would save about ten to twenty thousand dollars. What you're telling me, they right. compared to you built it normally. Right. That's okay. Correct. All right. Thank you. Appreciate that. I'm done. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Member Vice Chair. Uh, any other questions, members? Okay. Hearing none, we have a motion for line item five point four to send a formal with a recommendation to approve. Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, line item 5.4 will be sent to formal with a recommendation to approve. Thank you very much today, gentlemen. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, next, we will move on to miscellaneous line item 5.5. Uh, Council President Mary Sheffield submitting a memorandum relative to the fiscal impact request on proposed property tax reform ordinance. Uh, members, do I have a motion to open up line item 5.5 for discussion? Motion. Uh, thank you. We have had the opportunity to speak with Council President's office, uh, and we have indicated uh, that we are going to bring this back after recess uh, due to the fact that we're going to have further discussions about this issue as well and maybe have some presentations on this. So, members, do I have a motion to bring back line item 5.5 uh, to be determined? Motion. Hearing no objection, line item 5.5 will be, will be brought back to be determined. Uh, and that moves us to the end of our agenda, uh, to member reports. The chair recognizes member Santiago Romero. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Negative reports. Chair recognizes Vice Chair Young. Negative report. All right, that brings me to mind. I don't have a negative report today. Uh, but just wanted to quickly uh, just say and thank all the residents of District 7 and throughout Detroit for uh, attending our successful inaugural Community Leaders Conference that we had this past Saturday at the Brennan Pool House. It was full of great resources. Uh, we had some very powerful speakers there. Uh, and I would especially like to thank our presenters who provided that information to our community leaders for grant writing uh, to establish 501c3s as well as other programs. I do want to give a special shout out uh, to our very own parliamentarian, uh, Dr. Terrio, uh, who was in attendance uh, and uh, provided some valuable information to our community groups on parliamentary procedure uh, as well as other Robert's Rules of Order and things of that nature. Thank you so much for dedicating your Saturday to come out and help the community. We really appreciate that. Also want to give a special shout out and thanks to Mr. Donwell uh, from the Board of Review uh, who came out uh, and spoke to residents about uh, everything the Board of Review does, but also HOPE applications. Uh, and I appreciate you taking your time on a Saturday to do that. Uh, shout out to our District 7 Manager, Mona Ali, uh, Taylor Harrell from uh, GSD, Tamara Hardy, and Andrew Gaines from the Housing Revitalization Department as well. Folks came out and dedicated their Saturdays to help uh, our members in D7, our community members in D7 and community leaders, and I am forever grateful for that. Uh, do want to give a quick announcement that our November District 7 community virtual meeting will take place on Tuesday, 
November 22nd at 6 p.m. For further information, please contact our office. Uh, again, this is our monthly standing meeting. Uh, this will be the last one for 2022, uh, our virtual District 7 community meeting. Please join us. Uh, on Saturday, November 19th, we are having our turkey giveaway for families who are in need in, uh, uh, in District 7. From 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., we will be at the Boys and Girls Club lo located at 16500 Tireman Avenue. Uh, again, this is Saturday, November 19th at 10 a.m. If you are in need or know a family who is in need of this holiday uh, for turkeys, uh, please give our office a call. Uh, we want to kind of get a count uh, and see what we can do, but we want to try to help as many families as possible in District 7. And last but not least, on December 8th, we are having our D7 Resource Bazaar and Christmas Party in partnership with the Dons from D7. Uh, that is scheduled December 8th at the Brendan Poole House from 2 p.m. to 8 p.m. to RSVP for that call our office. Other than that, uh, that concludes my report, members. And if there is nothing else to come before this committee, we will stand at ease at the call of the chair.